As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. It is a Monday. I'm, of course, Nick Bumberger, joined by Austin Meek. We have both survived the 14-hour three-overtime. <laughs> what was that? Uh, middle of the night. Well, Austin, the best news of the week starting out is not that we, Thanksgiving is coming. It's that next Saturday's Michigan game will not be in prime time as Michigan <laughs> and Penn State will play at noon. So thank God for that. <laughs> thank the Lord, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I and cannot do another night like that. I just, I said that to myself. I probably said it to you too. We were like in the, maybe like three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I was like, it is midnight. I cannot do this. This is like... So it was a four and a half hour game somewhere in there or something like that. At least, yeah. I, I looked at the clock. It was like twelve oh five at the yeah. end of it, and that that was entirely too much. Rutgers yeah. Michigan yeah. football did not need. That was more than my recommended dosage of that game. Yeah. So Michigan walks off walks off the ledge of disaster. Um, and uh, again, we were talking about this with Mike, the producer here, beginning of the show, like. Does a win feel as bad as a loss in this? And I said, I don't think so because it's Rutgers. Like, if it were anybody else, I would understand that given how things kind of went. But a loss to Rutgers would have been pretty, pretty bad and pretty tough to unsee. Not that that game wasn't going to be tough to unsee. But same time, you know, Michigan obviously has a lot of problems. We knew that. We knew they had a lot of problems going into this game. A lot of things that are not going to be solved in one week. A lot of things that have been just sort of bubbling we've been over all this many many times things that you know again the administration is going to have to take a deep 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 look into so many things here because they all start and stop with Jim Harbaugh but in terms of this game Austin only um it starts out in the familiar nightmarish fashion uh with a quarterback who's not confident Michigan's offensive line isn't confident Nothing is going well. It gets to 14 nothing, and I don't know about you, but and I'll ask you the same question. When it got to 14 nothing, I'm sitting there like this, unless they 
they're obviously going to change to Cade McNamara, and unless he is a revelation, this is there's no way they they're done at fourteen nothing. That's what I that's what it felt like to me that they were done. And I'm I'm the type of person that likes to look at the full you know like let's see what happens here. But for me, even that was at fourteen nothing. It was like I think we've seen about all we need to see here, and that's a pretty low place to be. Yeah, clearly something needed to change in that game, or they were going to lose. Yeah. Uh, no, no question about that. I mean. I think, you know, I didn't really know what to expect from Cade McNamara. We saw him so briefly against Wisconsin, and I mean, he looked great in one series, but uh, can you, you know, can you replicate that? Uh, Didn't know, didn't know. But I think what we saw from him is, you know, if you're a Michigan fan and you're trying to figure out, like, what, you know, what am I watching the rest of this season? Like, you know, what's even the point? Michigan's going to play Penn State. This weekend, Penn State's 0-5, Michigan's 2-3. and It's like, what, you know, at this point, what do we have left? Well, you got a little something in that game. Yep. You got you got Cade McNamara. And we saw enough from him to say, you know, maybe this guy, maybe this guy has something to him that is going to be worth watching the rest of this season. I think that's, you know, that, that's all you can really right. build on at this point. Uh, however you want to say it, you know, moxie, swagger, confidence, intensity, uh, that's what he brings, you know, he's not, doesn't gonna, he's not going to knock you over with his physical abilities the way Joe Milton is. And you look at those two guys side by side and, you know, as much as we look at it now and wonder why Cade McNamara, uh, wasn't a, you know, a bigger part of this competition from the beginning, uh, you know, you look at them side by side and clearly Cade McNamara is not Joe Milton. Uh, but right. we saw when he was out there. He can do some things, and the things that he does might be the things that Michigan needs the most. Uh, and so, at least I'm not going to, you know, sit here and say, "Well, you know, here's a, a you know, a reason for optimism," or so, you know, suddenly the future looks different uh, because of what we saw right. Saturday night from Cade McNamara. Not going to go there, but I will say, let's, you know, let's watch and see where this goes from here on out because because I don't really know where it's going to go. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it um, because there's a lot of things here to sort of unpack. And <clears throat> one of which is, you know, they're not running two different offenses. I think that the, at first, uh, when it happened in the middle of the game, it was almost like, are they running a different offense? Like when <laughs> yeah. McNamara came in, uh, I went back and looked at everything. They're not running a different offense. What they are, what they did do, though, um, and it makes a lot of sense, right? So Milton, you know, the arm is such a weapon and, you know, he... We know the situation by now. You know, there's times when he can harness it and just deliver. I mean, again, guys, there are some throws that he's made this year that have been outstanding throws. Outstanding throws in terms of the degree of difficulty. Even some in this game. I yeah. mean, the scene to Jackson, the scene yeah. to Giles and the and the one the wheel that he threw to the corner that Jackson just couldn't handle because it was pretty well covered. That's a great ball, but also. High degree of difficulty, right? There's a lot of stuff they ask him to do in terms of the dropback game that involves, like, you know, the 20-yard, 15-yard out stuff that, you know, sometimes you wonder if a, if a defense maybe isn't going to cover that because I don't think the guy can make the throw. Uh, you know, he's, he attacks. He's aggressive. So they try to take advantage of a lot of that stuff. And what ends up happening oftentimes is he, you know, is either fixated on the shot, fixated on the deep throw that's very, very difficult, and overlooks maybe an easier read or an easier, you know, something underneath that's going to get you what you need. And it's too much. Like they just, as a team, as an entire team, you know, young wide receivers, young offensive line, young quarterback, they are not ready for the high risk stuff. It's 
and a massive error on the coaching staff that they put them in position and uh, estimated that they were ready for all of this stuff, but they're not. So they made this change in the middle of this game, and what they do is they go back to Cade, they go to Cade McNamara, and I can't tell if it's you know Joe Milton not making reads properly, them not asking him to make reads, but on the second play of the game, McNamara pulls uh, pulls an inside handoff to uh, I can't remember who the back was, pulls it out on an RPO and just drops one right in the bucket to uh, Sainer still for a first down uh, as Rutgers' corner crashed hard in. Because they weren't respecting the reads. And from there on out, Rutgers was off balance in every time Michigan made a read with its quarterback. So McNamara just read you know, a defender the rest of the way, and Rutgers had no answer for it. That's not necessarily going to be all you you know, you're gonna need more than that against teams with real, you know, a better defense, obviously, but in this game, it was enough. And it showed you, I think. You know, as the, game, as the game went on, it sort of showed you what this offense is designed to do. Some of the stuff we saw a little bit in the first game, too. But it's designed to take free and easy yards. It's not designed to be incredibly difficult. But why you're asking it to be that difficult is sort of beyond me. But McNamara really did a nice job of just staying within exactly what they asked him to do. Take the easy stuff. Let your guys make a one-on-one win. And we saw a couple of guys do that. Hassan Haskins, Cornelius Johnson. And suddenly everything looks a lot cleaner and a lot less congested. And I think that you know, really it just got simpler. And, you know, I think that was the answer on Saturday. I sort of use the basketball analogy to think about Joe Milton and and Cade McNamara in the sense that Joe Milton is the point guard who's 6'5". You know, he can Mm -hmm. dunk. He can, you know, dunk it off the backboard, jump out of the gym. You know, incredible athleticism. Electric player, yeah, Yeah, athletically. Right. Cade McNamara is kind of the guy, you look at him and you're like, you know, wonder if like he just stepped out of the YMCA league, you know, I mean, he, mm-hmm. not the most imposing guy physically, not the quickest, uh, you know, not, not the guy who's going to jump over anybody, but you know what he does when he's in there, he runs the offense, he gets the ball where it needs to go. Exactly. Everything just seemed to flow more, sl- more smoothly. You know, he makes the open shot when he's got it. You know, that's how it felt. Um, you know, it felt like Cade McNamara when he was in there, you know, he didn't need to be the you know the focal point of the offense. He was just kind of the facilitator, uh, and mm-hmm. you know he could get the ball in the hands of, of his wide receivers. Uh, the running game. I don't think it was a coincidence that that the running game became a little more productive uh, when Cade McNamara yeah. was in there because yeah. everything just felt you know it, it felt free and easy. And I, I you know I think you described it well that when Joe Milton was in the game. Uh, you know, he's got these things that he can do that are, you know, they're so intoxicating almost that like yeah. he can make these throws and you, you almost say, well, if he can make these throws, then that's got to be part of your offense. But, you know, the problem is uh, I'm not sure if if the team around him, you know, is is to the point that 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 makes sense as, as something to build your offense around. And I'm not sure that Joe is at the point in terms of his consistency uh that you know that there's going to be enough consistency there that uh that it's going to work and i think with with Cade McNamara what you see is just you know simple stuff high percentage throws good yeah. reads and he just kept the offense moving and and that's really what michigan had been missing looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I don't want to undersell this because because it's Rutgers or something. And, you know, obviously, and Rutgers is, you know, I saw Rutgers against Michigan State earlier this season. Rutgers obviously isn't great and it's Rutgers. But Chiano brought in a ton of grad transfers. This isn't a, this isn't a, you know, a bunch of like freshmen and sophomores running around. I mean, they're playing with, like, adults out there. I mean, they're not a great football team, but this is not the Rutgers you were maybe used to seeing a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's obviously not the same Michigan either. But, you know, point being, uh, McNamara's reads were very good. I think that that's the thing I would I would probably take away from this and that, you know, when it was obvious for him to pull the ball and make a throw, he did it. Like, the, the play to the last touchdown to Cornelius Johnson in regulation was real simple. I don't even know if it was an RPO. Sometimes Gaddis has these run calls where he just it's a run and he's got a tag on it with and it's not necessarily an RPO, it's just, you know, make take a look over there and see if we if we like what we have. And, you know, you have the freedom in that sense as a quarterback to just scrap the run play, even though the offensive line's gonna block run, and throw that bubble at the top of the screen. And what he saw was is the defensive back that was, you know, gonna be shadowing Cornelius Johnson in man coverage was 10 yards off the ball. He had Ronnie Bell right in front of him, and he said, okay, well, forget it. I'm just going to throw this stop screen to Cornelius, and he's going to make one move and score a touchdown, which is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing as the Sanders still play at the beginning. Uh, There's, you know, he's carrying out his fakes properly. Uh, When he's he's asked to make a read, he's making them. We we saw Shea Patterson struggle with this last year. Really all year, uh, even when he, you know, when he was hurt, when he wasn't hurt, it was never clean with him in terms of the run reads and things of that nature. Milton, you know, they just—I don't know how many times they put him in those positions. To be quite honest with you, I don't think that there's been a lot of RPO, which leads me to wonder if they were totally comfortable if if he's seeing what he needs to be seeing. McNamara, it was exactly what it needed to be when it was an obvious pull, he made the pull, and when it was an obvious give, he made the give. I mean, that's sometimes that's all it needs, mm-hmm. and there was a great example too. To your point about helping the run game, there's a play in the uh, third quarter. Uh, I think it's just an inside split zone or something. Stuff that had been so congested and you know was moderately well blocked, not great, not terrible, but it goes for like 15 or 20 yards because McNamara carried out a fake after he handed the ball off and froze a linebacker, and everything got open inside. So there's a lot of things that he was doing. Uh, he was running the whole offense, and and Gaddis's offense has a front and a back. The front side. Uh, what's called the backside is what you know. Maybe the last check is or the last read after the defense is adjusted. Your quarterback has to be able to do both. You know, Shea Patterson at too many times could only make reads in one side of the field. Joe Milton uh, is a young guy trying to come up, but I think in the past game he sees the game better than I thought maybe he would. Mm-hmm. But in terms of making reads all the way across the field in the run game and passes, having it work together, maybe not there. The thing McNamara can do, even though maybe he's not as accurate or not as athletic or whatever else, he's making all those reads. So right now, you go with the guy that can do that for you, and you figure it out, and you go from there. I don't know if anybody has any long-term answers in this situation, but for the here and now, it's pretty obvious what they need to do. Harbaugh obviously didn't make an announcement, though, today 
with us, they haven't talked to the kids yet, uh, which you know makes sense. But I would assume it's going to have to be McNamara here going forward. Yeah, and I think we have to go back to the question of you know, looking at these two quarterbacks on the field. You have to wonder: Was this what was happening behind the scenes? And if it was, uh, how did how did we get here? Because yeah, um, look, I get exactly what. Michigan saw in Joe Milton because we all saw it and uh you know the the ceiling and the talent was there but uh the you know the difference in the flow of the offense was so dramatic between those two that you know you just wonder was it a case where maybe the Michigan staff convinced themselves that uh you know that yes Joe Milton isn't a finished product but if we just give him this chance we'll get there uh, and they kind of, you know, sort of talked themselves out of what their eyes were saying and wanted something, you know, oh, yeah, with their yeah. heart that, boy, we really want this to happen with Joe Milton. Uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to make it work somehow. Uh, that's the yeah. only thing that I can I can figure out is that, uh, you know, the, the talent of, of Joe Milton and the upside of Joe Milton was so tempting um, that maybe it blinded. Michigan staff a little bit to sort of the obvious thing that that they had in front of him or maybe Nick it's a situation where Cade McNamara is one of those players who does things in games that you don't always see in practice uh that is a hard thing to gauge and I think Jim Harbaugh alluded to that after the game that you never really know what you have with a quarterback until you see what he does when the lights are on and this was really the first opportunity for Cade McNamara to do that uh and he seems to be the kind of quarterback who is at his best in in pressure situations, and this game brought that out of him. And so, you know, I think it's a I think it's an important question to ask, like what you know, what was the quarterback evaluation here? What was what was missed with these two players? Uh, and also, just you know, say maybe it's just a matter of you know what they needed to see these two guys in the heat of the moment to really know what they had. Yeah, I get it. Um, I get why, and I think you're dead on. I think that's exactly what probably happened in that, and it's probably the case throughout the re- or for for most of this year, in fact, um, in the beginning parts of it. In that, you know, we saw what a confident Joe Milton yeah. can look like against Minnesota. It's not like we've never seen it. We saw it. It looked outstanding. It was great. I mean, so I gotta think. To your point, they went into this week thinking, "Man alive, if we can just find him some confidence, get some confidence in him." He can take off and we'll route Rutgers right on out of here and that'll be great and everybody will be happy. But at the same time, if you're if you're splitting reps evenly and you're looking at it objectively like you should be uh, as a coach and a coaching staff, you're watching Cade McNamara likely make every read really clean and comfortable and calm in practice. I, we don't know that he did because we weren't there, but that's... I've got to guess that unless he just pulled the whole like uh, what's the the old Friday Night Lights TV show when they pull the court when the quarterback gets hurt and the other guy comes in and he asks him if he closed his eyes right like <laughs> did you close your eyes all week or were you really right so it's like so in that sense that's hard to get over because really what the team needed what the team needed more than anything was somebody that was going to be calm and confident with the ball in his hands after the snap that's what the, the whole unit was desperate for and as much as everyone wanted it to be you know Milton because of all the things we've talked about all the things he can do on top of that you want Milton if you know put it this way if Milton can get to a point as a quarterback where he's making those reads as clean and as quick and as sharp like that mm-hmm. without hesitation or whatever and if they're asking him to do all th- all those things then you have everything you need with him he can do everything you want him to do and then some 
but he's not there. So if you're seeing a guy like Court, like like McNamara make all this stuff, knowing that you desperately just need somebody that can confidently get you from one thing to the next, it's really difficult to 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 say or to to square you know starting Joe Milton again and let and not only that, but sort of letting it mushroom to a point where it felt like the game was slipping into you're going to get blown out here unless you do something. And, you know, that's been the thing with Jim Harbaugh over the years. And I think that in this case, he makes a quarterback switch and gives a guy a chance to show him what he can do when he's out of choices. He has no other choice. We've seen this before. He did the same thing with John O'Corn in 2017, where, you know, they grinded through a couple games that, you know, other players were able to step up and save them in. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. They kept telling themselves, we're not going to give Brandon Peters a chance. He's not ready because we don't know how he's going to react in a game. Well, you know what? You don't know how he's going to react in a game until he gets in there. Mm -hmm. And just like that scenario, O'Corn sits down, Peters comes in against Rutgers, believe it or not, and looks infinitely better and calm. So, like, I mean, it's another example of that, too, in the last four years. And when people say, I'm questioning whether or not Jim Harbaugh has a real, you know, line in on how his team's feeling or what his team's going through it's fair to it's fair to to make those to make those asks because you don't know we don't know because it looks like sometimes he's having a hard time reading whether certain guys are ready certain guys aren't ready you know who's ready for this who's not and that's the job of the head coach it's got to be it's got to be there with your staff communication your your ability to see it in practice every day and if the coach is not making those you know this guy's not ready or this guy is ready. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. I get that. But sometimes, you know, you got to make a decision to get rid of that situation and start over too. And, you know, Harbaugh waits sometimes a little bit too long. This one, it wasn't too long, but it was barely. I mean, it was right on the edge. I mean, it felt like they were about to get blown out. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. And there was no other choice at that point. So he has to make the switch. But man, you know, you got to wonder, like, if you make that switch a little earlier, are we still sitting here with this? Is it this bad? Are we still talking about how bad this is? I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing we go back and forth on all the time with Harbaugh, but, but they're fair questions to ask, and that's kind of why you know the whole thing is in the situation it's in. Yeah, I think the confidence factor is such a big deal here, and I just wonder what how would Joe Milton's season have been different? Um, you know, you go back to the Wisconsin game, and you've got the interception on the first throw that, you know, really is not Joe Milton's fault. Uh, you look at the uh, you look at the Rutgers game. First series, they're moving the ball. Uh, yeah, you have drop, a fumble yeah. uh, that you know completely changes you know changes the whole vibe of the game. Um, you know, look, part of being a quarterback is being able to deal with that stuff. Yeah. And we did see Joe Milton when Joe Milton when things were going well when Joe Milton was was in command and felt confident with what he was doing. You could see it. I mean, you could see what. Michigan's coaches saw in Joe Milton in that first game. Right. But we also saw that when things weren't going great, um, you know, it, it snowballed. And that was really, you know, that was really what got us here is, um, you know, Joe Milton had some bad breaks. Some things happen uh, that, you know, weren't necessarily his fault. And he, you know, he just wasn't able to get that going the other direction. Right. Uh, and then Cade McNamara comes in. And I think the best thing you can say about Cade McNamara, one of the best things you can say about him is, you know, he just gives off that vibe of of being sort of unflappable. You know, he, he comes in and, you know, he's got this confidence in himself that I think, 
that rubs off on, on the players around him. You know, I was, in fact, I was talking to his high school coach this morning, and you know, his mm-hmm. his backstory is that uh, at the high where he went to high school, he ended up taking over the job as a freshman, and, and it was a pretty uh, a pretty contentious thing because he beat out uh, an older player. You know, I think there was kind of a vibe of like, well, you know, who who is this freshman coming in who, you know, kind of carries himself with this swagger uh, and you know, is going to come in and try to take the job from from this veteran player? And you know, it was, sounded like it was a pretty a pretty rough transition for him early on in high school. But the thing about him is, you know, he's just not going to back down from anybody, and he's really confident in what he can do, uh, and he doesn't get. You know he doesn't get phased by yep. by things going poorly, and I I think that's really what what Michigan needed in this moment was somebody who would come out there and just sort of tune out everything and have a really unshakable belief in his abilities. and And Cade McNamara seems to have that, and we'll you know we'll see what happens uh, because you know a 17 point deficit against Rutgers is not the same thing. As going right. out there against Ohio State, you know, so right. this is going to be an interesting, you know, these these next three or four games going to be an interesting sample for Cade McNamara, I think, to to get a preliminary answer at least in terms of um, is this is this a guy that's going to take the keys for your program moving forward, or is this just you know is he the right guy for this moment, or is he the right guy for the future? Yeah, for, I mean, it's certainly for this moment, and that's a great question, and I don't know how we're going to get that answer. I mean, you're right. I think we'd have to see sort of how he looks in situations where it's like, okay, well, we just need you to go make a throw now. You know, like, we need you to do that. Maybe he can. You know, we don't know that. But I think moving forward, you know, you look at this game against Penn State, you know, Penn State's winless, and again, thank God it's at noon uh, or whatever, but <laughs> Penn State's got some talent too, and, you know, you're not going to be able to just line up and pound the ball against Penn State. So what you're really going to need in this game is your quarterback to get you out of bad stuff and get you into good stuff. That's so much of what of what football is. Uh, it's always been that way, but really more so now than ever. And that you you have this ability now to you know with these offenses that aren't huddling, you're making calls at the line. Uh, the, you know when, when they check with the sideline, that's Gaddis and the sideline making reads for them and telling them, "Here's what I want you to do now." So I mean, everything's built in with an ability to get out of. If this doesn't look good, get out of it. There's going to be something else that we can go to. Don't force it, right? That's what McNamara can sort of give these guys. And it might not be, you know, something where it's just, well, this is awesome. We're, we're scoring 60 a game. It's probably not going to be that. Yeah. But it, it will be, you would think, if that continues, it'll give you a better chance to sustain drives. It'll give you a better chance to end drives positively, uh, to keep field position and not be such a nightmare with that to be able to bounce back and sort of keep yourself in it if your defense falls apart and all this other stuff. And and it's the little stuff. It's just making little things. The offense, I'm telling you, you know, Josh Gaddis is a young guy. He's still coming along as a coordinator and install and everything else. And I think there's a lot of stuff in terms of detail work about how they install everything that probably still needs to be ironed out. And he'd probably even admit that to you. But the theory of the offense works. It does. You need a quarterback, though, that can sort of handle all of it. And it's kind of a big ask. It's not something that's small. They're putting a lot on the quarterback's plate. So, you know, we'll see if, if this kind of can move forward and maybe get some people some more confidence. Because Austin, I mean, you know, Cornelius Johnson is a really good-looking player. Sainer still is a sophomore who I think by the time, I think we would agree, by the time he's a senior, stronger, going to be a really good player probably. These backs aren't bad. You know, Corum is a nice player. Haskins runs his butt off. The offensive line... 
is still so young. You got you know, retro freshman and Carpenter in there. Zach Center's a true freshman playing. These guys are hanging in there. You've got some young players on this team that can play if they can sort of come along together, get some confidence, and get somebody that can just deliver the ball and let them make things happen. Maybe you'll surprise yourself and this will take off. But you know, you got to be able to start with the point guard making the right pass before everything, you know, before anything follows follows along with it. Yeah, I mean, you look at these next three games now. They play Penn State at home. Uh, they get Maryland, you know, assuming Maryland is able to go. They've been shut down now uh, for uh, right. for a couple weeks, uh, and then you finish with with Ohio State. Obviously, I think we kind of talked about this last time. I, ha- I have a sense that Michigan fans are honestly kind of conflicted. I think they were kind of conflicted yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other night that you know, in a way, it's like you know, this would all be really simple. Uh, you know, we talked about it at the very beginning. Like, what's the difference between beating Rutgers and in triple overtime and losing to Rutgers. The difference there is that if you lose to Rutgers, it's all very simple. Like it's very easy to say, okay, we're done here. Like we've clearly hit rock bottom. Uh, We can, you know, we can move forward now without feeling, uh, you know, without feeling conflicted uh, about, you know, is there something here worth saving? And um, I think that that's kind of where we are is, you know, you look at this team now and like you mentioned it, it, it's really young. Um, you know, there's the young receivers, the young offensive linemen, the young quarterback. And I think that you start to sort of peek ahead a little bit and say, you know, could there be something here in the future? You know, if, if this all comes together, uh, is there something here, you know, worth building on? And I think that that's yeah. sort of where we are right now is um, if you had lost to Rutgers, it would be very simple just to say, okay, we got to tear this down. We got to start over from scratch. And now I think, you know, there's, there's enough with with Cade McNamara in there, surrounded by those young receivers, that at least you say, "Hey, let's give them a chance for the rest of this season to try to make the case that there's something here to build on." Right, and then and that gets to the other part of this, which we haven't touched on yet, which is the defense and it, its inability to stop uh, Rutgers, which is a huge problem. And of course, Michigan has you know injuries in this game. Cameron McGrone goes down. You're playing without Quiddy Pay. You're playing without Aiden Hutchinson and Avery Thomas. Um, obviously, as he's opted out as well. So you know your four best players aren't in there, and obviously that doesn't bode well for anybody. And I, you know, I, I would have to think that those four being present would have, you know, put you in a situation where Rutgers isn't scoring, you know, or throwing for three fifty or whatever it is. But at the same time. What it does is it exposes Michigan's just complete lack of de- defensive depth. There's just none. I mean, they're just as uh, Hunter Reynolds is a former walk-on. Uh, he played a ball in the end zone at safety better than anybody on this team has played all year, including Daxton Hill. Um, you know, the coaching on the back end hasn't been great this year. Uh, the talent has dropped off. You know, apart from Hill, who didn't have a good game either. The depth in the middle is is rough. Um, you know, there's just not much there after you lose a guy like McGrone, especially it really wasn't there before. And then obviously not much on the defensive line either. So you go across all this stuff and all the things we just talked about. How you know, well, maybe the offense is going to be, maybe the offense is salvageable. Maybe there's a lot there. Maybe there's enough to where you can get you can be a shootout type team and, and withstand some of this stuff. But the defense, uh, I mean, you know, the, the the touchdown to tie it. There was it the touchdown or the two pointer, the quarterback draw that was the most yeah, obvious call yeah, anybody was ever going to make. Yeah. Right, well, you know, we're the quarterback drags three guys two yard. I mean, come on, like that's you know, like that's the stuff there where it's like this. If you and I know that this happens a lot in college football and the way that it's covered because it's covered so weirdly and the NFL's like this too, but more so in college because I think 
when people cover college football from a national perspective, they have a lot of narrative in mind, like historical narrative. Like when I think of Michigan football, I think of things from years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, but if you think of Michigan football and you watch Michigan football, you know exactly what this is. And it's not what it was years ago. There's not guys in the middle here that are just, you know, they, they're not old enough. I mean, it's just, it's not enough. They don't have enough. And it's not, you know, lack of effort. It's not guys quitting. They don't have enough. And, you know, quitting, effort, whatever, a lot of that go can come into the equation when you look at the sideline and say, we just the plan just isn't, whatever we do is not going to be enough. That's what it feels like. And I, I'm not going to say anybody here has quit because everybody, you know, they, they fought back from a big deficit and came back in. And frankly, in a year like this, when everything's been so crazy, if they're showing up every day with uh, helmets and uh, helmets and pads on, then they haven't quit. So uh, I'll go with that. The bottom line on that one would be, though, is you're going to have to find better answers on the sideline, and you're going to have to find a better way to recruit. And I think that that's the question, or that's the thing here that we've talked about. I know we have. Uh, we've talked about it last year, talked about it in years past. The recruiting department here, the entire plan needs to be compl- it needed to be reevaluated when the year started. A lot of things need to be re- reevaluated when the year started before the pandemic. Uh, it absolutely, no matter what happens with Jim Harbaugh and his contract, this recruiting operation has to be looked at deeply, deeply. It's not good enough. It's just, frankly, not even close. I think you could argue that the last couple years, when you go out there against when this team in 2016 walked off the field for the last time, I was in the locker room. We were at the Orange Bowl. They had NFL players everywhere, everywhere. The next year, they still had some. They were younger. And then when those guys left, they just haven't replaced them. They haven't replenished. And the recruiting staff, you know, kind of changed starting in 2017, and it just has not worked. There's been a lot of factors involved there, winning and losing. But when you're not even close on the field talent-wise against Ohio State uh, in 2018, you're not even close again in 2019, I don't know how you look at at your talent level and not have concerns. So that also has to be, you know, sort of looked at here, too, And, you know, that's the thing for Jim Harbaugh now is this thing goes down the stretches. Okay, you've got, if you bring him back and if you stay the course with Jim Harbaugh and if you think you have offensive potential, there still has to be things that you're going to have to fix with your defense and there's still going to have to be things that you have to fix with your recruiting department. And my second question on top of that would be, uh, how many guys, Austin, would you say out there are uh, lining up to come work here right now? And that's a question. I don't know. Maybe it's a lot. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it's not. It's the fact that it's a question at all. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, I'm talking assistants and staffers yeah. now. You yeah. Know, right. Are you going to leave a? Are you going to leave a better situation for this? Unless you. Ha- unless they're just paying you like an astronomical amount of money, which I'm not sure that that's going to be in the cards here. So that is also something to look at as as they go forward here, and something that they're going to have to weigh. Yeah. No, that's a great point because we've been talking about Cade McNamara and the offense. And I think you can at least make an argument that a lot of Michigan's offensive issues this year are, are a function of, of being a really young team. And you can make an argument that this offensive group has the potential a year or two down the road to be better. Uh, you know, you can make that argument. I'm not saying that I believe that wholeheartedly, but you can make that case. I can't make the case for Michigan's defense that that things are going to get better. That, you know, I can't point to right. really anything and say, well, the, you know, just look at this and, you know, this gives you some hope for the future. I just, I don't know what that is. Um, Michigan's best players on defense, um, with the exception of maybe a couple guys, they're not going to be here next year, most right. likely. Uh, Quiddy Pay's 
going to be in the NFL more than likely. Uh, we'll see with Aiden Hutchinson, but there's just it's not like Michigan's defense is playing a bunch of young, talented players, and that's why they're struggling. I can't I can't make that argument. You know, it's right. they're struggling for a lot of reasons, uh, but I can't I can't tell you that things are going to get better next year. And look, I you know both of us I think both of us uh, respect Don Brown. I oh, yeah, like talking yeah. to Don Brown. Don yeah. Brown knows football. Um, you know. Ha- has clear, you know, clearly Don Brown knows defense because he's had good defenses here. He doesn't have a good defense now, and it's right. hard for me to see what Don Brown does uh, translating oh, yeah, to a, be- a good defense next year. I, you know, I don't see it, but I think you raise a great point that if we get to the situation where it's like, okay, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you're in year six, you've got some young talent on your offense, Josh Gaddis. You know, you, you just got done with year two. We like your system. We like where this is going offensively, but we want to change what we do defensively. I think you're right. You know, as a, a defensive coordinator, um, you know, it's a kind of a precarious situation to step into because right. at this point with Jim Harbaugh, there's really no guarantees about the future. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the contract thing. But, you know, if you're a, if you're a defensive coordinator, a, a top tier, you know, elite defensive coordinator who has other options, uh, I think you would have to think twice about that in terms of is this the most stable long-term situation to step into or is this a situation where it's basically like, you know, this is our last shot to make this thing work and, you know, if you're coming in here as a defensive coordinator, we need you to be great from day one because we're, you know, one bad season away from everything just kind of falling apart, you know? Yeah, and I would also say this uh, on top of the Don Brown thing. Like, let's look back now for a second. When when Durkin left here for the what was it Maryland job before that all came crashing down uh, in 2015. So you go from 2015 to 2016 is when Harbaugh hires Don Brown, and he admitted it at the time. Harbaugh he basically looked up CFB stats, who had the number one defense in the country, <laughs> found that it was Boston College, and said somebody figure out who this Don Brown guy is and what it's going to take to get him here. Because they had all kinds of talent. They knew it. They did. They had a bunch coming back. Brown had had really good defenses at lower levels in football. It made a lot of sense. I would ask this question. If the situation was the exact same as it is today in 2015, where you're coming off a deal where you haven't lost your defensive coordinator for a head coaching job, but you've lost him because you want to make a change, and you and there is someone like Don Brown sitting there who has had a recent run of nice success, would Don Brown have left? Boston College for Michigan? I mean, yeah. unless you're giving him a bunch of money. You know, if you give him, like, triple his salary, sure. And maybe that's what you do. But that's kind of where we're at here. This, The attractiveness of of this of joining this staff at the moment, not high. Not real high. You're going <laughs> to either have to – you're either going to have to pay someone a ton, which, again, maybe you can maybe you can get away with some of that, but I don't know. I just don't see that right now, given all the things at play here with the pandemic and everything else, and the fact that the program's not exactly thriving, or at least, you know, not in the moment. So you're either going to have to do that, or you're going to have to really roll the dice on a younger person who has, like Gaddis, mm-hmm. who hasn't been proven yet or hasn't had a chance, somebody that you've really paid attention to, you know, maybe quietly over the years. Does Jim Arbaugh have a guy like that? I don't. I don't know. Maybe he does. I mean, Gaddis came out of left field, came out of nowhere, and that would have to be what you do here because it's if you're going to make a change and you know say, well, we're just going to change all our, our entire defensive staff and keep everything else the same. 
I mean, we've seen this movie before. When mm-hmm. it's the last gas, blame the coordinator, get him out of here, and that'll fix it. Like, uh, oftentimes, it's not the coordinator. It's the head coach. So that's kind of what's at play here. And you also have to keep in mind that the attractive level, attractiveness level of you want to come in here and... Do you want to come in here and fix something that's completely in need of repair? Or do you want to come in here and drive a Ferrari? Like, those are two different two different questions. And this is not the latter. So, you know, or the former anyway. So this is... Uh, this is an interesting scenario, and I just I think for all the folks that are like you know just fire everybody on the defensive staff and run this thing back, and fire the whole recruiting staff and run this thing back. I I just question how you know what what quality level of of hire you know that Harbaugh is going to be able to make here. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd be surprised. I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't be, but I I do question it because this is not what it was you know three or four years ago, even close at all. All right, folks. Well, hey, it could be worse. It could be Penn State. They're own five. You got those two wins, uh, so it, it's it's not all bad, I guess. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that will be a that will be an interesting scene on Saturday uh, when Michigan and uh, and Penn State meet in an interesting uh, and. Uh, totally bizarre year of college football. Uh, anyway, thanks for checking out the show, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving uh, wherever you are. Uh, enjoy, uh, and hope you enjoy some time with family and uh, enjoy the football. And Nick and I will be back to talk to you next week here on the beat. I seen hot towns on my day.